there's a lot of advice out there that started well-intentioned and often is even right from a certain point of view that has since lost its way. It becomes recycled advice that sometimes is even more destructive than it is good, even if it had origins that are fair enough or even very good. And I think one of those specifically for songwriting is the advice that simple is good. So in this episode, we're going to talk about how simple is good is often, in my opinion, misleading and overall destructive advice for songwriters. Let's talk about it. Hello, friend. Welcome to another episode of the Songwriter Theory Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Joseph Vidala. Honored to be speaking with you today about songwriting. Of course, it is called Songwriter Theory. After all, I would hope we're talking about songwriting. But not only am I honored that you would take any time to learn about songwriting, which is a craft that I'm super passionate about and is very important to me, but also that you would choose to spend this time talking specifically with me about songwriting. So I certainly appreciate that. I appreciate all of you who have left kind reviews on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you do that. So thank you to all of you if you no longer listen to the end of the podcast when I say that. Uh, when I when I go into the, the sort of thank you section at the end, if you will. So figure I throw it at the beginning this time. So thank you to all of you. I do appreciate that. We're talking about how sometimes there is misleading and destructive advice. And specifically, we're addressing the advice of simple is good. Because this one honestly has become straight up a pet peeve for me. Because it's just one of those things. And I think this exists in life a lot. Where... There are conventional pieces of advice that people keep giving that's just wrong. (laughs) It's just bad advice. But every generation recycles the same garbage advice and people still buy into it. So I was trying to think of sort of examples in the the real world just to shed a light on what I'm talking about. One of the ones I thought of is the just be yourself or you do you. Like, in theory, those should be... And, and, and used to often mean that you shouldn't pretend to be somebody that you aren't and you should be genuine and you shouldn't change the good parts of yourself just to be popular or get the girl or guy or whatever. And overall, that's good, right? That's, that's solid advice. But often these days I notice it's used more to mean you do you and really I'll actually encourage the obviously destructive behaviors that you're currently doing or intend to do, and I'll also tell you that you're great just the way you are, uh, no matter, you know, no matter who you are, which in in general, I think it's overall kind of destructive advice to tell somebody that they're just fine just the way they are, because I don't think any of us are, right? We all can improve something. That doesn't mean that we're garbage and we should be down on ourselves and we think we suck, right? But but just to think that we're totally good just the way we are is super destructive. We should all be trying to improve ourselves, Um but specifically, this would be terrible advice, just, you know, as an extreme example, to a serial killer, right? Oh, just just be you. Yeah. You like eating brains? You do you. That's fine. Right? Like, and and I know you're thinking, well, I mean, not many serial killers have probably been told that before, and you're probably right. Uh, but, I mean, this is true for all, all kinds of bad things that people choose to do, right? Choose to leave their spouse for somebody else, uh, you know, abandon their kids or, you know, whatever it might be. There's a lot of circumstances where, like, 
and sort of the brother advice to this is like, do whatever makes you happy. I hear this one a lot too. Terrible advice. Lots of bad things make people happy. The pursuit of your own happiness at any cost without thinking of the consequences is called selfishness. <laughs> like, like not even recolored. It literally is that, right? Like, if it makes you happy to cheat on your spouse, that like that's overtly selfish and wrong. And that's terrible advice to just do what makes you happy. So anyway, I don't want to dive too deep into that stuff because overall, that's not what we're talking about. But, you know, um, you know, overall. Right. So so back to the you do you type stuff. It's you know, it's bad advice to somebody with a drinking problem. Right. Like it, it might be an actual problem that needs to be resolved. Just being themselves is not good advice to a person who uh, e- even more so. You know, because again, I, I, be- I believe we all need to work on ourselves, right? So it's not really good advice to anyone, even a good person. Uh, good person sounds judgy, but you, you know what I mean. Even to somebody that seems like they have nothing really, uh, they're not doing anything terrible or bad. Um, it's, it's bad advice to them, much less, you know, people that are ser- serial killers, <laughs> for example, to take an extreme example. Um, you know, and sometimes, you know, m- maybe the reason that nobody likes the person is because they present themselves like a jerk. So again, you know, maybe they shouldn't just continue being themselves, quote unquote. And so in the same way, simple is good, I think, was one solid advice in the right context, but has since evolved into advice that I think is generally destructive. So first, the word simple is a very subjective word, right? So when I think of simple and when you think of simple, they may, might mean totally different things, right? So if I, if I do tell you simple is good or keep it simple, you don't know what that means. You, you have an idea of what that means, and you might even be convinced that what you have in your head when I say simple is good, which again, I'm not saying because I'm saying it's bad advice, but what you have in your head might be totally different than what I meant when I said simple is good. So that that's one of the inherent problems with this, right? Uh, so for example, you, you might be very handy. You might be very good at, you know, ma- ma- making things with your hands, specifically, you know, woodworking or something. So to you, you think a bookshelf is what you would call simple carpentry. And you know what? Overall, you're probably right. But to a non-handy person like myself, uh, who is proud of himself for changing a faucet and installing laminate flooring, which if you've ever done, you know is stupid easy, uh, I don't think that's simple at all. And I have built a small one, right? So I can do it. But to me, it's not, you know, like, oh, I'll just wrap that up and like I can just go to Lowe's and just just kind of do it in an hour. Like to me, I'm going to have to make sure I don't mess anything up and I'll be on YouTube half the time to try to figure out how to do it just for a simple bookshelf. So, and this is true for anything we're, we're experts at, right? If you're in, let's say you're a nurse or you're in some sort of healthcare thing to, to you, certain knowledge about shots or biology is simple, right? But it's not simple to everyone. Or to me, it's intuitive and simple when, when I'm thinking about like what the cloud means, Right. But that's because I'm a software developer. So to me, the cloud is a simple concept. But a lot of people just think it's like a, a magical ether space where there's stuff and it just just accepted. It. It's called the cloud. Um, so in the same way, 
if you're talking to a classically trained pianist who hasn't played a piece that wasn't expert level in over five years, they may need to hear that when it comes to songwriting, simple is good relative to the complexity of what they're used to. Because they're used to sitting at a piano and that piano and what they're playing on the piano needing to pull the entire weight of the song, which is another point that we're going to revisit in a bit because we'll, we'll connect back around to that. So just to start, if you're talking to a super expert instrumentalist and you tell them when they're writing a song that simple can be good, specifically when talking about the instrument part that they are an expert in, that might actually be very good advice. And I think that's where the origins of this was. But if you're only talking to somebody who knows 10 chords on the guitar and doesn't know music theory at all, simple is good is going to mean something very different to them. So they think simple is good and here just stick with four chord progressions and keep the melody all in the span of three notes, right? That might be a little extreme, but, but a lot of, a lot of people I've talked to like legitimately seem to think like, no, 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 I should just stick with like, like four chord progression and, and and just like recycle it through the whole song. And I, I, you know, I don't want to have too many chords. If there's like five different chords in the song, that's a bad thing. And another thing they might think is that it's not a detriment to be a very limited instrumentalist. Because it's pretty common, I think, for songwriters to be not necessarily people that were expert musicians first, but that's another thing we'll revisit in a second. So let's talk for a second about how simple is not only subjective, which I think we've covered at this point, but simple can also mean all kinds of different things. We can be talking about all different elements because there's a lot of elements to songwriting. So not only is it subjective what it is or to what level you would consider something to be simple because if you're a level 100 songwriter or a level 100 musician, you think a level 50 um, part that is hard to play for all the people who have only been playing the instrument for three years, think is really hard. But also, let's ask a few questions. Is simple determined by the number of notes in a hook or a melody? Is simple determined by how easy something is to play? Is simple determined by how simple the chords are or how simple the harmony is, right? Like, maybe all major or minor triads rather than sus or ad chords? Or what about on the lyrical side of things? Is simple determined by how few words there are? Or is simple determined by how basic the words used are, right? Like, for example, sticking with small words like want instead of words like crave or, or using the simple word holding instead of clinging or avoiding words like harbingers or harlequin which are, you know, bigger words that people might actually have to look up in a dictionary. Or is simple determined by how simplistic and easy to understand the story is? Or is simple determined by how much effort is put into the details of what you're making? 
right? Because sometimes simple is an implication of, of how quick it is to do. It's more of a speed comment than anything else. Because theoretically, depending on what we're talking about, simple, you know, it could take a long time to make a simple thing. Or simple could in and of itself imply that it doesn't take long to do. So for the classical pianist who's used to the piano part being the entire piece, right, the highlight, the melody, the complex harmony, and usually something intended to utilize great instrumental skill, simple as good might actually be good advice. Because they may tend to favor writing something that's fun or challenging to play over something that communicates the emotion of the song. They may even have a hard time not being bored by how simple a four-note hook is. And they might get bored at the fact that they're an expert-level musician at a certain instrument and the part is actually quite easy to play, even if that's exactly what the song needs. In fact, I'd argue the entire value system of an instrumentalist and a songwriter tends to be different. And if you know... Uh, especially like music majors. If you went to college and you had music major friends, this was probably apparent to you. A, a huge swath of them like legitimately argue that like all music that isn't classical music is like trash. And it's not even real music, right? It needs to have like nth level degree complexity, which is funny because a lot of classical music is not that complex, but whatever. Um, and a lot of really expert level musicians are really looking for something that is fun to play or a good challenge to play. Right? And if you think about it just as an instrumentalist, that that's a val their value system because that's sort of built into taking lessons and becoming more and more of an expert at an instrument. Right? You start with a super simple piece. A couple years later, you've moved on to harder pieces. A couple years later, you've moved on to harder pieces. And then year 10 or so of piano or 12 or 15, you're doing expert level pieces and playing at recitals where, again, it's just you all by yourself doing this complex piece. And for that, that's totally fine, right? That's, that's a good thing. But that is not necessarily a good thing. And in my opinion, often isn't a good thing when it comes to songwriting. It might be a good thing if they want to write a piano instrumental piece but usually in songwriting, we're not doing similar things to a complex piano classical piece. So oftentimes, when it comes to expert musicians, they tend, they, they tend to be or may be looking for instrumental complexity and forgetting that there are other ways to have a more refined artistic complexity to a song via things like a well-crafted lyric, interesting harmony, or through the interplay and harmonic relationship between the instruments and an arrangement. Because an arrangement is a whole art form of, of its own, basically. So overall, let's draw a couple analogies. In my opinion, an instrumentalist can tend towards being sort of like a painter versus a songwriter is like a home designer. So an instrumentalist is focused on the artistry of a very specific part, right? They made that one painting in your living room. Very specific, very small, but the artistic level of it is very high. But 
the songwriter is more like the home designer who is more about this big picture concept. And they're a little less concerned about the specific artistry of every brush of paint, but they are concerned with where that painting fits into the whole of the house. So their art is sort of at a higher level. Maybe a better example is an instrumentalist can tend towards being the cinematographer, right? They're worried about camera angles and how the light, you know, flares on the lens or how, how you know, the lighting of, of the shot or what the right zoom level is, right? How close the camera should be, how intimate it feels versus how far away. Well, a songwriter is a director, right? They, they have to focus on this big picture stuff. Yes, they're, they're concerned about the cinematography to a, le- to a point. They're concerned about how the actors deliver the lines. They're concerned with casting the right actors into the roles. They're concerned with the set pieces, with the CGI, right? They, they, they are an artist who has to care about the quality of a bunch of different things, and they might care a little bit less about, you know, diving really deep into one than, than say, you know, somebody who is just a, a camera person, which I, I feel like a lot of directors start as camera people, so maybe that's not the best example, but, you know, a director might not start as somebody who cares that much about CGI, but eventually, you know, the CGI artists are going to care about that. Oh, this one hair is off. It doesn't look real. It doesn't look like a real bear because the hair doesn't flow in the wind right. Uh, and the director doesn't even notice that. But, you know, the CGI people are going to be like, oh, I must get the hair right. So the instrumentalist tends towards that cinematographer, CGI artist. Well, a songwriter is more of a director, right? So it's just it's just a different type of art. One is not better than the other. They just have different viewpoints. Right. One, one is drilling really deep into something very specific and the other one tends to be a little more big picture and maybe each of the different art stacks are less complex on their own and more the art of it is the combination of those things. So really this is sort of my criticism of prog rock acts like Dream Theater because um, – to me, sometimes their desire to play fun and intricate things and play in exotic time signatures and all that stuff just gets in the way of just writing a good song. <laughs> um, and, and I'm not a person – again, I, I'm, remember, the premise of this whole podcast is simple as good as often misleading and destructive advice. So we're going to get back to that. Um, so I am far from a person to to be like, oh, make it simple, make it simple. Uh, but, but you absolutely can get so – complex with stuff that you kind of lose your way because you're too busy concentrating on the artistry of one specific part that you abandon the other parts. So often with prog rock, you can tell the songs are literally written in a way that uh, they're instrumentalists writing songs for other instrumentalists to admire how good they are at their instrument. And I'm not saying they're actively doing that, right? I'm not just saying, uh, like, oh, Dream Theater is just trying to brag about how good a guitar they are. The guitarists, specifically, obviously. Not, you know, each person their own instrument. Uh, that's not what I'm saying. But you can tell in the way they write their music that they value the guitars and the crazy time signatures and all that way more than just, like, telling a good story via a song and having quality lyrics. And, and, and you can just tell. That they care more about, like, let's make sure this instrumental part is super intricate and interesting. And that's fine. 
Uh, but in my opinion, that just doesn't make a good songwriter. Like when I think dream theater, I think what amazing musicians that write resoundingly okay music. And when I say okay music, uh, musically and complexity wise, it's very intricate music. Let me reframe. They write very good music and they write okay songs, if that makes sense. Uh, because a songwriter can't just – like the difference between a songwriter and a composer, or one of the many differences, is a songwriter has to care about the story of the song and the lyrics. And the melody has way more of an emphasis in your average song than it does in an instrumental piece. It's still important to an instrumental piece, but not, it's not as all-important as it is in a traditional song. So – on the other side, most songwriters tend to be non... Also, a side thing, it's funny. If you actually go to comment sections of prog rock acts like Dream Theater, you can tell it's a bunch of instrumentalists. Uh, like like almost all the comments, it's never about how good a song it is. It's never about that. It's always talking about like how much they slayed at you know drums or guitars or anything like that same with their fans right so even in the fans that artists attract you can tell the value it's kind of like celine dion if you look at a celine dion song like universally basically the comments are going to be stuff like what an amazing singer she is which is exactly correct but it's interesting how nobody's there to talk about how good the song is it's usually a reason for that and prog rock is kind of uh the same thing but instead of vocals it's the instruments um, not that that necessarily determines everything, but I do find it interesting. So I think a lot, or even most songwriters tend to be non-expert musicians. And a lot, if we're being honest, are probably even below average musicians, which is fine because a songwriter is, again, wearing, it's like a director, right? A director doesn't have to be great at cinematography because if they are great or if they're good, pretty good at telling a story, pretty good at casting, pretty good at managing CGI, pretty good at you know managing the people who are doing the cinematography and generally understanding camera angles, and pretty good at writing a script, right? I might have repeated that one, but you, you get the point. Then all those together can make a great movie. And that's sort of their job, right, is, is at least having pretty good on a bunch of different things. And, and frankly, right, if the cinematography of a movie is fantastic because you're a director who only cares about the cinematography and how good the camera angles are and the story's garbage and the characters are garbage, nobody will care, right? Or, or like Michael Bay, right? Why does everybody make fun of Michael Bay? Because it seems like all he cares about is the CGI and the explosions. And the movies suck, so nobody cares ultimately, right? That's why – Fewer and fewer people went to Transformers movies and all the people who went didn't really like it. They just seemed to keep going because I, I, I really don't know why. I really don't know. But anyway, th th those are examples, right, of, of the sort of movie equivalent of caring way too much about one stack of the art without the others. Um, so for the rest of us, or for the most songwriters, which are average musicians, maybe a bit above average, uh, and then a lot which are well below average, which, again, is okay to an extent. Uh, keep it simple. 
and simple is good is often misleading and terrible advice. If you think simple is good means that you don't have to learn basic music theory like chords, keys, and chord progressions, you've been misled. If you think that simple is good means that you know 10 chords on the guitar and you know that G chords, C chords, and D chords sound good together, so you beat the crap out of those, uh, and then you throw an E minor in there once in a while, and then once in a while you change it up and you do something in E major and and do sort of the open E chords and call it a day, again, you've been misled. You're missing out on so much when it comes to songwriting. And if you think all instrument parts that you write should be super easy to play, again, you might have been misled. If you think it's actually good to pick some variation of the same few chords for your songs and keep the lyrics super straightforward with only using super simplistic words rather than artistic imagery or slightly bigger or more evocative poetic words and that songs should take you like a day or a couple of days to write and you stick with your first melody that sounds good without workshopping it and your lyrics are more or less a first draft and almost improvised words or perhaps maybe a couple days worth of work tops um then again this simple as good advice has misled you if we never look into more harmonically interesting chords like seventh chords or add chords or slash chords uh which is the implication of that is with a non-chord tone in the bass. So, for example, a C major slash A chord would be C major, but it has an A in the bass, which a traditional C major chord doesn't contain an A. So that's what I mean by slash chord or sus chords. Um, and, and you just kind of continue to write songs well within your beginner instrument abilities, never really bothering to get better at your instrument because simple is good. After all, as seemingly all of these songwriting websites tell people. And, you know, not, not to go too, too deep into how simple is good as bad advice uh, or, or to trash on it too much. But let's give a little credit. So I, I think the area where simple is good is generally true is that your instrument hooks and your melodies should both not have overly long phrases. So if your instrument hook is 20 notes long, it's probably not a hook. I'm not sure there's ever been a 20-note hook that has ever gotten stuck in someone's head. So like Imperial March is one nine-note phrase followed by another nine-note phrase, right? So nine notes. Seven Nation Army riff is seven-note phrase followed by a nine-note phrase. Yeah, by Usher. Uh, like it or not, it is catchy as crud. It's just a four-note phrase followed by another, right? Most lyrical phrases are within 20 syllables. So in that one sense, meaning your phrases, your musical phrases should be simple and there should be some repetition and for something to be a hook, it needs to be repeated, right? So, you know, yeah, that now this, yeah, is a pretty extreme example. Most songs probably shouldn't beat it to death the way yeah does, but yeah, literally has one four-note phrase for a hook followed by the second answer four-note phrase throughout the entire song, just repeated over and over. That's why it gets so stuck in your head. 
I think it literally doesn't stop. But um, now that's an extreme example, right? But that is an example of that is something that is simple. But besides that, in all likelihood, we as songwriters overall tend to be needing to get more complex or at least more sophisticated or refined in our songwriting. So we could all, we, we all have something to gain by working at becoming better at our instrument. This is one of the big ones because sometimes it feels like people learn just enough guitar to be able to write songs and then they call it a day. But then like two years later, when they're starting to run out creatively or all their songs are starting to sound the same and they're really starting to sound overly basic, they wonder why. But it's like, well, I mean, you never really learned to play the guitar, right? You, you're not even intermediate level. So, you know, if you're so constrained by your instrument ability that it actually affects what you're able to write, that's a big deal, right? It's, it's very limiting. And, you know, another thing we can do is spend more time refining our melodies and hooks, right? Who, whoever said that once you come up with a good melody that works, or even just a melody that works, like you have your melody, right? What, try changing up a note here or there, right? Like if you have a four note phrase, four note melodic phrase, try changing just like the last note, like go up a little bit more, go up one more semitone, assuming it's within the key. Or a whole tone, if that's the note that's within the key. Maybe try going down a little bit, right? Try changing the first note. Just try, just try tinkering around a little bit more when it comes to melodies and hooks. And then take pride in being a poet who carefully crafts every line, rather than being a songwriter who sees lyrics as the necessary evil or the irrelevant sideshow, um, which I think is a huge miss, because so many songwriters seem to see it that way. But then the question is, why do you write lyrics then? If lyrics don't matter, then why write them? You might as well go, ah, 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 all song. And I hear those of you who say, and I get it, right? You're disheartened because you show your friends the song and you're so proud of how how well-crafted your lyric is and they don't even notice, right? But without going too deep into that, first of all, uh, friends... I've talked about this before. I think I have two whole episodes about this, or at least one. Um, but I think sometimes people forget just because people like you don't mean people are going to like or get your art, right? I can have a really good friend who makes music that I can't stand, right? That doesn't mean that their music isn't great. It might just be not my style, right? I have a really good friend that I don't even bother to like show him my my music or anything because I know his style is not what I do. I know he's not going to like it, and that's fine. We like each other. We're friends, right? And in the same way, he has some art stuff that is not my style, and I don't really care for it, but he's my friend. But again, this doesn't mean we're bad at that. It's just liking a person and liking their art is very different. Just like some of your favorite bands, if you met them in person, you might you maybe couldn't stand them, right? The whole don't meet your heroes thing. So <clears throat> basically what I'm saying is oftentimes I think people, when they say people don't care about lyrics, first of all, they're often talking about people who are just regular people who are their friends, who maybe, you know, if your friends are listening to pop radio and stuff and you show them your lyrics and, and your songs, yeah, they're probably going to seem unimpressed or not even notice or care, but they listen to pop music. Of course they don't notice or care, right? I'm not, not all pop music is garbage. That's not what I'm saying. 
But, in, but I mean, if you've ever looked at any lyrics from basically any pop song in the last five years, it's embarrassing. It's just embarrassing. Like, that's like the nicest way I can word it. So, you know, if to them that's the standard, like, and they don't even notice those lyrics, like, they're just not the, your target audience, right? So... What I do notice, back to the YouTube comments thing, I, I can't help but notice a lot of my favorite artists, at which I, you only get to be a favorite artist of mine if your lyrical quality is high. Um, because I do care about lyrics. I'm somebody who does care about lyrics. And what I notice about those artists is in their YouTube comments, they do have a lot of mentions about how great their lyrics are or how, you know, their lyrics saved somebody's life and they were thinking about whatever, but then they heard the lyric of the song. So it's almost like artists attract the people that they are, that the qual, what they care about attracts, right? So the artists who don't seem to really care about melodies or the vocal really and the lyrics attract people who don't care about the lyrics, right? If it's a pop song that has trashy, embarrassing lyrics, Who's going to listen to that? People who don't notice or care about trashy, embarrassing lyrics, right? If you watch a movie that has, you know, bad character stuff, and movies are a little different, right? Because movies tend to be a one-time thing. A movie can just, if they can just draw you into the theater once, they got their money and they don't really care. Um, so movies are a little different, right? Music more makes its money by re-listening. So the value is a little different, not a perfect analogy, but... You know, again, based on the quality and what the artist cares about, they attract people who care about that, right? If if an author that you really like isn't very good at character work, chances are you as somebody who likes that author anyway, you only care about the story being good even though the characters are kind of flat and not interesting because you don't care about those things. Right. So sometimes it's a self-fulfilling prophecy when people talk about nobody cares about lyrics like, no, the people who don't care about lyrics are people who won't care about lyrics. Right. But there's tons of people out there who do care about lyrics. And if you put effort into your lyrics, then you will attract people who do care about lyrics. And the good part, too, is if you put effort into your lyrics, it's not like you repel people who don't care about lyrics. You can get both. Right? Let's say only 25% of people care about lyrics and the other 75% don't. Let's just say. I don't think – I think more people like care about lyrics than you think, but let's just say it's that. If you put time and effort into your lyrics and take the craft seriously, 100% of those people might be interested in your music. If you don't, only 75% will. So I always go off on this lyric thing. So I'm sorry if you've heard this before, but it's just very important to me. So anyway, take pride in being a poet, right? Because that's a, a songwriter is a musical poet in a lot of ways, right? We, we write songs that are, are, are very much lyric driven. That's why no matter how you feel about lyrics, you'll notice every single song you listen to has the vocal and therefore the lyrics front and center. And in the case of center, literally, oftentimes when you mix a song, the only thing or the main thing that is right up the middle is the vocal. The middle is right up the vocal, right up the middle. 
It's the loudest. You have your guitars off to the sides. You have your piano off to the side. You have your acoustic guitar off to the side. Uh, the bass is usually up the middle, but that's because it can sit below the vocal because it's so low. It doesn't get in the way. It doesn't clash. So no matter how you might personally feel about lyrics, uh, e even the way songs are mixed indicate the all importance of the vocal. And therefore, you know, the vocal overall is what? Melody and lyrics. Melody and lyrics are very important. So another thing to do. Use some chords outside of the most basic major and minor chords and understand chords and chord progressions and harmony more than just these chords sound good together. And that comes through just ba basic music theory, understanding that the key of E major has four sharps and understanding specifically that it has the notes E, F sharp, G sharp, A, B, C sharp, D sharp, and then back to E. So then understanding as well that your one four and five chords in major keys are major, which in the context of E major would be your one chord would be, well, E major. Your four chord would be, if we go up, F sharp would be two, and then G sharp would be three. So your four would be A and your five would be B. So understanding all those type of things and the relationship of those things helps make music writing specifically as a part of songwriting so much easier so you know what you're doing you're not just making guesses all the time and so these are all just things that if you just continue working on all these things and sort of upping uh, your knowledge about these things and the time you spend on these things you'll notice at the beginning of this episode i talked about songwriting as a craft because that's what it is. It's not just, yes, we're creating things and, and creation is an inc incredible word, but I think sometimes thinking of it as a craft can be something that's very helpful because we think of craft as having extra care put into it. So overall, if you're on the elite instrumentalist end, sure, simple is good might be good advice specifically when it comes to how to write some of the instrument parts, like basic melodic phrasing and hooks. Otherwise, for basically all the rest of us, simple is good is overall relatively unhelpful advice. Because most of us could stand to have more artistic, refined lyrics. Most of us could stand to spend a little more time on refining our melodies and our hooks and learning more about music theory and using different types of chords to really add extra, you know, tension to the right part of songs and make our harmonies more interesting and not just the same boring triads over and over and over again. And specifically back to lyrics, there really is a tendency with songwriters. If there's one thing that I think the biggest amount of songwriters, the highest percentage of songwriters undervalue, it has to be lyrics. And I think this is because oftentimes it does come from an interest in music and in writing music that people become songwriters uh, rather than poets who determine they want to make their poems more than just poems, but also into full songs that can be sung. At least I think that's the reason. And, you know, every, everybody's different, right? But it is something I notice overall that specifically i think a great way to stand out as a songwriter 
is to care about lyrics because it's relatively rare and then it makes it's a great way to have pretty pretty loyal fans and to stand out you know your melodies are not going to be worlds better than the next artist's melodies because most melodies are pretty solid right there there are some all-time great melodies out there for sure but generally speaking you know it, you're not you're not going to blow most other artists you know out of the water with your melodies or with your lead guitars unless you're an absolutely elite guitarist then maybe but you can i'd even say fairly easily blow even some of your favorite artists right out of the water when it comes to lyrics because with a lot of artists it really doesn't take much so overall my challenge to you is don't have brilliant and complex music or at least sophisticated or refined music. I don't really love the word sophisticated either. It sounds kind of pretentious, but uh, hopefully you know what I mean after this whole episode on <laughs> what what we're talking about. Um, so not just, you know, super simple on all levels. Um, so when you're writing more interesting music, maybe you're using some sus chords and, you know, you're understanding more about music theory, you're becoming a better instrumentalist, you take more time to refine your your melodies and your hooks. Don't ruin it with phoned-in lyrics. Don't ruin it with, with phoned-in lyrics. You can write better lyrics. I know you can because we all can, right? We we all can improve at all parts of the songwriting process. And if you're interested in that, be sure to check out my six-step lyric writing checklist. I've said this before, but really it's true. It's my favorite of the three free guides that I have. Um... You know, I, I think all three of them are important, but this is the 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 one that is my favorite um, because it's helped me so much. I mean, I mean, me, me came in, coming up with this helped me um, as I was sort of, you know, over, over the years coming up with how do I make lyric writing easier and less painful while also making it so that the lyrics that came out were really good. And if you've been a listener for a while, you know about the frame test. But if you're new here, I like lyrics that are written to pass what I like to call the frame test. The basic idea of the frame test is if you printed out the lyrics and put it into a frame and put it on the wall, would it pass as poetry? Is it good? Are the lyrics good and meaningful even without the crutch of a melody? or a great singer, and cool instruments behind it, right? Because, you know, a lot of the reason people don't notice how terrible pop lyrics are is there's a bunch of catchy stuff going on, and they're paying attention how good the singer is and how much they like that synth riff and all that stuff. So they don't notice the lyrics in the context of that. But I bet if the singer read those lyrics, or, you know, you've, you've probably had that experience where you have somebody look up the lyrics to a song they like, or maybe you've done this, and you're like, oh my gosh, what the heck, right? And you're like, wow, that's garbage, I didn't realize that, right? Because there's nothing for the lyrics to hide behind anymore. And that's really the idea of the frame test. Ideally, our lyrics are so good that they would pass as poetry, or at least so good that they don't need the crutch of great singing or great melody, or anything like that. So if you're interested in that, be sure to check out that six-step lyric writing checklist. That's at songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. It walks through the six steps. 
that I utilize. It goes from just gathering ideas all the way to the final steps of really refining your lyrics, making sure that every single word is exactly what it should be. Because as a lyricist, we only have 100 to 200 words in most songs. So making sure that every word is is what we want to say uh, really isn't that big of an ask when we think, you know, even professional musical artists, half of our favorite bands, right, have a 10 album, 10 song album every four years, right? That averages to two and a half songs a year. So, uh, you know, I, I try to aim for, for five a year total. I would encourage you to do a similar thing. But regardless, even at, f- at a five song a year clip, and I'm not saying write five songs a year, I'm saying like write, record, release five songs a year, which means, you know, five good enough songs to throw out into the world. But even with that, right, that's that's one song every like two and a half months or something, right? Not not quite two and a half, but two, a little north of two months. Um, so if you're interested, be sure to check that out. Again, songwritertheory.com slash lyric checklist. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. I appreciate those of you who have left kind podcast reviews. And there's a little call to action here. Think about for yourself where maybe the simple is good mindset might 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 have um, let you down, right? Th- think about of the areas we talked about where perhaps you you haven't taken the time to take a bit of a dive into you know arranging or uh, becoming better at your instrument or refining your your melodies and hooks and not just sticking with the first hook or melody that you come up with that you think is pretty good. You know, taking pride in being a poet and writing lyrics. Maybe diving a little deeper into chords and not just sticking with the same old chords, not just sticking with triads, which are basic major or minor chords usually. Uh, You know, adding sus chords, slash chords, right? Having a, a true bass line that is truly separate from the chord progression, of course, has to work with the chord progression. But you know, slash chords are an example of uh, sort of more separation from from the bass and and the chords, right? So if I have a C major slash A uh, chord, that would be mean that the the main chord being played is C major, which is C, E, and G. But the A would be in the bass, even though that technically is not in the rest of the chord. So getting into stuff like that. Uh, and and working on you know overall just having more interesting harmony. There the beauty of songwriting is there. I was talking to my, one of my songwriting friends friends about this uh, the other week. One of the beautiful amazing things about songwriting is there is always a specific part of songwriting that you can dive into deeper and make a artist an artistic process right. So a lot of us as songwriters might even take how instruments sound for granted, right? You just sort of plug your guitar in and you play it and you record it and, you know, a guitar sounds like a guitar, right? But something you can do is dive deeper into specifically creating a sound, right? So you can you can create a sound by taking a guitar and, you know, making it reverse, right? So it's a backwards guitar. There's a song that I wrote that I still haven't released, but the beginning of it, involves like a, a grandfather clock bell. I, I took one of it, I stretched it out, made it longer, and then I pitch shifted it down. And 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 that's sort of the beginning of the song is 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 that oh and reversed it. I don't know if I said that already. Right. So I, I made a sound or 
another song which actually is released is called See Me. It's a very different from what I usually do. That was kind of experimental for me. But the whole bass sound, the main sound, and there's like a whooshing synthy sound. Literally, I recorded a fan, a ceiling fan, and I pitch shifted it way down and then like added, I think, like, you know, a, a sort of synth tone to it. But basically, it's it's a slowed down, pitched down ceiling fan provides sort of that, that bass whooshiness of, of, of that song. Right. So that's like sound design. It's a whole, you, you can be a songwriter. You can be an elite songwriter. You can be the greatest songwriter of all time and literally never get into that. But as a songwriter, you can also dive into that. You can dive into arranging. You can dive into caring more about specifically interesting and intricate harmonies, right? You can you can fancy yourself a poet and and and, and be a truly good lyricist and pride yourself in that. So that's a part of the beauty of songwriting, really. We can dive into all those things, and I would encourage you to dive into as many of those things that uh, that interest you. Right. If any of those things interest you at all, take a dive, even take a minor dive, even if you think it doesn't interest you. Right. Maybe, maybe when I talk about song sound design, you're like, that sounds like who who cares? Really? I don't want to record a fan and pitch shift it down and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not making a Star Wars movie. Uh, if you didn't know, like the, a TIE fighter is like a combination of an elephant bellow, I think backwards and then pitch shifted down or something and then something else is added i don't really remember but um you know so just as an example right uh so that's sound design too and you know yeah you don't have to ever get into that but give it a shot it can be fun and then you can build a whole song off of it because it, it's kind of like a you know a, a sound that doesn't exist right everybody's heard a guitar a million times everybody's heard a piano a million times but have people heard you know, a string part made backwards, blended with a piano that is also reversed and pitch shifted up a ton and, uh, you know, has a, fa a phaser added to it and, you know, is EQ'd in a really wonky way so that it has no high end whatsoever. You know, I, I don't know. The, that probably won't, wouldn't sound good because I just described it off the top of my head. But the, the point is, you know, there, there's infinite amount of things that you can try with it and it can be a blast. So... Uh, that's my challenge to you. Find find one of these things that we've sort of touched on, especially if it's one that you feel like previously either you hadn't thought of or maybe you didn't put as much love into um, as, as we sort of talked about here. And and take a dive because chances are um, for, for the vast majority of us, simple is good is overall going to be misleading. And overall, we we again, besides hooks and melodic phrases, in that case, pretty good advice. And we shouldn't have overly wordy songs that are like 500 words, right? Unless it's a little rap song, then maybe. Uh, but for the most part, simple is good is, is maybe not a helpful way to think of things. And overall, we should dive deeper into our craft, get more sophisticated or refined and just better at what we do, right? Because it's our craft. So we should care about get, getting better. So hopefully you're with me on that. Thanks again for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. And I will talk to you in the next one.